0: Section 40 of Russia, Austria-Hungary, the Balkan States, and Turkey. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Tavarish. The World's Story, Volume 6. Russia, Austria-Hungary, the Balkan States, and Turkey. Edited by Eva March-Tappan. Section 40. The Capture of a Redoubt, an Incident of the War of 1877 with Turkey, by Vasily Vasilievich Vereshagin. The Grivitsa Redoubt was one of the fortifications of Plevna. At this place the Russians were repulsed, but later were successful. The editor the two were exchanging remarks in regard to their intended action as they rode up the hill when suddenly there was a cry from behind make way make way the two officers had barely time to put spurs into their horses and spring aside into the bush when the tsar seated in a carriage drawn by four black horses dashed by at a rapid trot he returned their salute graciously and quickly disappeared along with his suite on the top of the hill there were preparations for divine service the altar had been erected in a large green tent and vladimir gazed upon the scene with deep interest the emperor and the commander-in-chief were saying their prayers at the entrance of this tent standing out in relief against the sombre background of Plevna and the other forts. Behind those two were the most distinguished persons of the army, with a great following of younger officers, and stretching farther still behind these, knelt the remainder absorbed in prayer. The voice of the priest was borne to his ears mingled with the rattling of small arms, and the thundering of the big guns he besought the almighty to send down victory the heavens are of the same colour as lead the rain persists suddenly in the centre of the line is heard a terrific noise of musketry which arrests the attention of every one how could this happen and why so soon Everyone knew that according to the dispositions made, the battle was not to begin until three o'clock. Apparently, there had been some misunderstanding. The commander-in-chief called an adjutant and ordered him to ride over and find out the reason for this untimely shooting. After the service there was a luncheon at which the tsar drank the health of his brave army a toast which was greeted by all present with a loud shout of hurrah the battlefield lay blanketed under a white mist caused by the smoke from innumerable rifles and pieces of artillery for a time also one could notice smaller bits of smoke from the distant turkish batteries on the left wing but soon these also disappeared and nothing was heard but shouts hurrah hurrah and allah allah sounds that were taken up by thousands upon thousands of voices the signal that the butchery was going on the commander-in-chief presented vladimir to the czar in order that he might report upon what he had seen in his ride to the Danube. As he was retiring from the Tsar's presence with his hand to his cap, he was arrested by the cordial greeting. Why, my good fellow countryman, how are you? And his hands were seized in the affectionate grasp of the dear old Prince Suvorov for the family of vladimir were also landed proprietors in the district of novgorod where the prince was born bless me what an age since we have been together the elder officer kissed the younger one repeatedly he began to tell him about verhovtsev whom he knew a good sort he is an excellent soldier and sets a good example everywhere but the fellow will not allow himself to get well he has three wounds but will not bandage them the surgeon is wretched he is an odd fish but a thorough good fellow and with it all would you believe that he is nothing but a scribbler immediately afterwards his patron count a who had also been standing near greeted vladimir well what news of your father Vladimir gave him the affectionate greeting of his family and the latest news. "'Only recently I had news, but he scarcely mentioned you. However, reading between the lines, I see that he and your mother are much concerned about you.' Vladimir blushed and smiled his acknowledgments. Prince Charles of Romania, who was also at headquarters, honored him with a few words, spoke about the regiments he had seen in the field and matters of cognate interest. Two other generals of great influence whom Vladimir had met at the house of Count A shook hands cordially with him and made a few jovial remarks. All eyes were therefore directed at Vladimir when he returned to his comrades after having been so conspicuously noticed by the principal people at headquarters goodwill and envy were blended in the emotions he inspired those who had already greeted him now hastened to give him still more cordial welcome those who had not seen him yesterday nearly smothered him with their affectionate embraces the tsar sat motionless upon his camp chair close to him and rather behind him sat on a similar chair the commander-in-chief behind these in two rows the senior officers of his suite the generals milutin count alderberg prince suvorov and others here also was the prince of Romania. several of the suite seated themselves on the damp grass all kept their glasses in constant use and only rarely were remarks exchanged the grand duke stood up to salute a portion of the army consisting of reserves the soldiers answered cheerily long life to your imperial majesty you look like good fighters shouted his majesty to them we are happy to serve your majesty from the point occupied by the headquarters it was not possible to see either the romanians or the russian regiments of the right wing they were attacking the fortifications of Grivica. Prince Charles of Romania rode down with his officers to where he could see Grivica. Behind them strode the old Skobelev, with several officers, amongst whom was Vladimir. They scattered themselves in the bush, where off and on a shell exploded— they could observe distinctly the operations of the right wing which was moving forward to the attack in a snaky line at one time the line broke into pieces at another it closed up once more sometimes the inequality of the country combined with the artillery fire made great gaps which closed up as the line proceeded shouts of hurrah arose and one could readily feel that this great line had a heart and that this heart was beating but what has happened to the works of Grivitzer? they had remained silent so long during the bombardment of the previous day that many had been deceived on that account yesterday it was reported as quite certain that there was a complete want of ammunition and guns and now suddenly the whole of that fortified place is belching forth shot and shell with deadly fury obviously they had determined not to waste their ammunition every moment showed a white puff of smoke there followed by a bursting shell in the ranks of our regiments a shell would fall a little cloud of smoke would rise, all sprang to one side in frightened expectation that it would burst. A score of men were knocked over, some were merely stunned, and again ran forward to join the storming column. Of those who were wounded by the fragments, some were able to raise themselves and, by the aid of their rifles, drag themselves to the rear, where they found shelter. The other, wounded, had to wait until the ambulance men came with their stretchers. Vladimir could see distinctly how the Romanian regiments moved out into the open beyond the works. They advanced with loud cries. Some, with conspicuous bravery, sprang into the ditches and even attempted to climb up the parapet. But the great mass of them did not follow. They sought shelter in the ditch, shouted and screamed, but did not go forward. The slightest movement of the head or hand brought death or serious wound, for the bullets poured down like hail. And so that is the way fortresses are stormed, thought Vladimir to himself. He saw this sort of thing for the first time and felt a species of disillusion everything was so terribly simple and human, not at all as it had been described and as he had imagined it, and yet he could not help congratulating himself that he had not been forced to take part in the storming of the Grivitzer and to lead troops over this inhospitable ground which was furrowed by the furious cannonade he sees a few human forms standing out like black specks against the sky as a background they are leaping out of the ditch and moving backward some slowly others more quickly then followed a mass of humanity crawling out of the big ditch for all the world like a swarm of ants they were scrabbling with their hands and their feet and when barely erect, rushed away down the hill to where the danger was less. The enemy followed them with their rifle shots as rapidly as they can load. Vladimir could at first make nothing of all this. He understood it only when a loud voice near him shouted, We are beaten! Again he thought to himself, And so this is what is meant by being beaten how very simple it all is not at all according to current accounts he turned instinctively to prince charles of Romania. his highness was so excited that his legs trembled beneath him my horse my horse i must ride over there immediately quick bring me my horse he commanded jerking the words out rapidly how very much excited your prince is, remarked one of our officers to the Romanian colonel after the prince had gone. He knows that a retreat will be a bad thing for him, answered the colonel without removing the field glass from his eye. They would drive him out of Romania. Our regiments were literally buried under the weight of shells and also were forced to retire without having carried the breastworks of the fortification. The heights on this side were very slippery, and our soldiers were completely exposed to the Turks. Shoot as you please! The columns moved evidently more slowly. The ranks were broken by the fire of the enemy, and, what was of more importance still, they could not quickly enough form again. The shouts of hurrah weakened. They became intermittent in fact they soon ceased to encourage they acted rather as a warning some retired but the greater mass stood undecided and kept on shouting shells fell in the midst of them and exploded with frightful effect knocked down many soldiers and finally sapped away their courage all now beat a retreat the cool heads more slowly the frightened ones ran with all their might the tsar soon made his appearance with his suite the turks however noticed the group immediately and shot twice with such precision that the commander-in-chief begged his majesty not to expose his life any further but to retire about 5 o'clock vladimir noticed below him on the left a horseman wearing a hat with a tremendous brim when the smoke cleared away for a moment he was seen to dismount and come nearer he proved to be lieutenant green the military attache of the united states he had just come from the battlefield and reported that in that portion of the army everything had been defeated the soldiers had retreated worn out bodily and morally and there was no hope to be held out that they could again be led against the enemy with success. The forces at disposal were completely inadequate for the taking of the works, which were tremendously fortified to say nothing of the slopes being smooth and very slippery. He was begged to ride on and report what he had seen to His Majesty. It was now getting dark, the rattling of the small arms diminished, and the artillery also slackened. The Tsar left the field with his suite, the commander-in-chief decided to spend the night here in order to be near the battlefield. The firing from Grivitza by the way, lasted longer than that at other points. Night came on, the fine, persistent rain fell, fires were lighted at only a few points, there was very little talk, still less laughing or joking. From the commander-in-chief down, all did their best to pass the night as well as they could. They made use of wagons and carts of every description, some even having to sleep underneath them. Vladimir entered the wagon of Colonel Ostenkan and considered himself very lucky in the prospect of keeping warm and having a night's rest. But the gallant colonel, who up to this moment had held his peace, now commenced in a thin piping tone to render airs from traviata and trovatore it was not the impulse of the nightingale which made the colonel tuneful at this hour it was rather a desire to dissipate the impression of their sad situation vladimir however much as he tried could not get to sleep finally when his host had composed himself he slipped unobserved out of the wagon and joined some officers and Cossacks at a neighboring campfire, for he was convinced that for that night at least he could enjoy no sleep. He gazed at the group lighted up by the campfire and thought unconsciously what a group for a painter. Seats were improvised from all sorts of things, here a saddle, there a cloak, there a bunch of wood destined for the fire, most of them, however, lay on the grass. Those who were not reclining stood up with their faces or their backs to the fire, their legs stretched apart. There was some subdued laughing and chaffing, but pains were taken not to awaken the commander-in-chief who lay asleep in his wagon not far off. Suddenly a voice fell, upon the ears of Vladimir, a sharp and loud one. He recognized that of General Timur. Your Highness! What do you wish? The grivet's redoubt is taken. End of section forty.